Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we're talking about introversion and extroversion. A lot of which was kicked off by the publication of a book by Susan Cain, who's a former lawyer. Um, she wrote the book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And if you've heard about this book, no big surprise because she went on a huge media tour and the book shot up the New York Times bestseller list, having spent a while there. Might still be on there. I sh- should have checked before we came into the studio. Um, but it seemed like Kane received so much uh, praise and almost sighs of relief from people saying, oh, fantastic. Introversion is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's definitely not a bad thing. Mm-mm. She was telling, I think she did an uh, interview with Ariana Huffington, um, where she said that when she would tell people what the topic was that she was writing about, she got so many relieved responses and people just saying, oh my gosh, let me tell you about my experience. And these people were introverts, which just goes to prove introverts do talk. Yes. Well, in the interview, Ariana Huffington um, talked about how she was an extreme introvert as a child mm-hmm. and had this anecdote of, uh, I think it was her fifth birthday. Yeah. Fifth, was it fifth mm-hmm. birthday? Um, at her fifth birthday party, she apparently kicked all of the kids out because she just wanted to hole up and read. Yeah. Ariana Huffington, you know, media mogul. She said that as she grew up, she tried to cultivate more extroverted tendencies because you do reap so many benefits from it. But the point of it is um, introversion is not a bad thing. And there was also a quiz from Quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking, to detect whether or not you are an introvert or an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I took the quiz. Do you have any idea how I scored? About half and half? A little more introverted? I am so far on the introvert scale. Really? Intensely introverted. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that what you're saying is highlighting perfectly the theme of everything that we read, which is that... Society tends to view introverts as really shy people who just have no social skills. And Kristen Conger is definitely not like that. I assure you, people. And so I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I took the quiz, too. Inter- you, oh, I mean, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I take it. I take it back. Take it back. Can I phone a friend? No. <laughs> I guess that you are extremely extroverted. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but yeah, I am. There were a lot of falses because it, all of the statements were introvert related mm-hmm. and it was, you had to answer true or false. And I had w- way more falses than I did trues. It, so. it would be interesting compare, to compare uh, where we were opposite on those, where I was a true and you were true for introvert and you were false for it. Yeah, I forgot to write some of those down. There was one I gave the quiz to my roommate who was actually... According to this, and it is an unscientific quiz, but according to the quiz, he is way more introverted than either one of us thought. Mm -hmm. But one of the ones that he wrote false for was people describe me as soft spoken and mellow. Because if you knew my roommate, he is definitely not either of those things. 
Yeah, I put I put false on that as well because I have such a grating vocal tone. <laughs> but let's talk about um, introversion versus extroversion. Why do we often get this confused? How does Susan Cain offer a broader perspective on introversion and extroversion, which, according to personality psychologists, is the single most important aspect of our personality? Whether we're introverted or extroverted? Or- yes. Oh, okay. It determines things like our choice of friends and partners, how we make conversation and resolve differences, and show love. It helps determine our careers. Uh, for instance, extroverts tend to exercise more, cheat on their partners more, <laughs> and, <laughs> and make uh, riskier bets on the stock market. You I, don't even, I wouldn't even know how to do that. Don't take an extrovert to Vegas, apparently. <laughs> And then introverts like me tend to function well without sleep. I get grouchy. Yeah, I can't. Uh, Learn from mistakes and make well-balanced team leaders. Good. Good for you. (laughs) I apparently am a terrible person. I had no idea. Um, But yeah, according to Kane, really an introvert has to do with how the person responds to stimuli. And introverts really prefer lower stimulation environments and are not... Poor. They don't have poor social skills. They are differently social. Right. Um, it, it just has to do with that lower stimulation, like you mentioned. She often brings up this contrast of whereas an introvert would prefer to have a glass of wine with a friend and have a, a long, deep conversation. An extrovert would probably pr- prefer to go to a party where they could meet a number of new people. Um, and she even told this uh, scientific American that introverts salivate even more <laughs> than extroverts do if you place a drop of lemon juice on their tongue. It's like we're more more primed for stimulation. Yeah. So we get overwhelmed more quickly. Interesting. That's really weird. <laughs> but but it is not to imply that introverts are inherently shy. Right. Because shyness, as Kane goes on to talk about, is the fear of Social judgment. Wine in a quieter setting, preferring that glass of wine with a friend does not mean that we are shy. Although I definitely have shy tendencies and psychologists do associate shyness with introversion, but they are not um, one in the same. Right. I mean, I think you, an extrovert can be shy in certain situations, too. Mm-hmm. I definitely have moments where I am socially afraid. Um, but she talks about how our culture seems to just value extroverts more, how everything in our culture from classrooms to work settings is geared towards extroverts. And she says that this is part of our cultural DNA and that Americans in particular favor action over contemplation. She says, Kane says that this became really important at the turn of the 20th century, uh, when there was the rise of cinema and movie stars. And all of a sudden it became so important to be magnetic and charismatic, and that has carried over. And now, if you're not magnetic and charismatic in something like a job interview, you might not get the job. Yeah, she uh, she talks about the cultural history of introversion and extroversion, and how extroversion really became the coveted personality trait around the 1950s, because you have the rise of corporate America, you have the rise of cinema and television. Um, There's a psychologist at the University of Minnesota, Denise S. Ones, who found that since television began, Americans have elected more extroverted presidents than introverted ones, possibly reflecting this uh, idealization of 
magnetism and charm. There's that famous story about the presidential debate between Richard Nixon and JFK. It was going to be the first um, televised presidential debate. And JFK won hands down because Nixon... Just he he didn't he didn't look as well on, right. on TV. He he I think he refused to get makeup. Yeah, and he was he was sweaty both from the the temperature and from nerves. I guess Kennedy got to sit in a in an air conditioned area beforehand. So TV man <laughs> ruins everything. Right, and if you think about presidential campaigns now. Ones that are going on now, so much of it is based on, uh, on, on personality. Whereas if you go back to the time of Abraham Lincoln, he was a man of strong character. It was the culture of character, sort of the, the strong but silent type. Right. And there's a lot to do with extroverts and introverts in relationships, whether they're in a relationship with each other or someone of the same personality type. And like Kristen mentioned earlier, an introvert is more likely to pursue deep and meaningful conversations, whereas an extrovert kind of tends to stay on the surface and bounce around to, to different topics with different people. And uh, Sophia Dimbling has done a lot of blogging about introversion for psychology today. And she said that if you're in a relationship with someone of a different personality type than you, you should try to respect your partner's differences and recognize that they can enhance your relationship. For instance, an extrovert can bring new people into your life, whereas an introvert can create more peaceful spaces in the home and the relationship. Yeah, like Susan Cain, um, Sophia Dembling is al- also an introvert working on a, a book about introverts. Um, I think her book is coming out in 2012, uh, later on this year. And it's interesting that, that both of these books are really sort of reclaiming the value of introversion in today's culture, saying, you know what, it's not even, even though everything is, is so dominated by social media and sharing and putting yourself out there, um, we don't need to lose sight of these very powerful traits that go along with introversion. And for parents today, I'm sure that can be a challenging thing to reconcile as you're raising kids that might tend toward the shyer side because schools are set up in more extroverted, fostering atmospheres. Um, and we, um, you know, and, and children will internalize. I mean, I remember being called shy as a child and kids tend to internalize that association of of shyness and introversion as being a negative thing. And I remember being, you know, I was, we, we did our only child podcast and talked about how only children are more likely to associate with adults and be like little adults. And I was, I just remember being a kid and getting positive feedback over and over again because of how open I was with grownups. And they were like, oh my gosh, you know, she's so talkative and everything. And so there is that, um, that encouragement. For one way or another. And, you know, if you have introverted parents, they might uh, encourage the more bookish behavior. And talking about parents and kids, uh, this there was a really interesting article uh, on parents.com. Several psychologists are pointing out that parents are putting a lot of value on making their children sociable, setting up lots of play dates, getting really concerned if their kids don't have a lot of friends at school, instead of just sort of letting them be as they are, letting them just have a close, tight-knit group of friends instead of having a ton of friends. And uh, William Doherty, a professor of family social science at the University of Minnesota, said that if we coach kids not to be who they are, we communicate a lack of acceptance. So people who tell you, oh, Kristen, stop being so shy, come out of your shell, that's like, okay, well, stop being who you're naturally inclined to be. Well, it seems like that... Um that anxiety over socializing kids enough, making sure that they have enough play dates and get along well enough is, is more of the, the, along the trend of 
helicopter parenting, over-parenting, that has fallen somewhat out of favor um, because it is so hyperactive in a way. There's there's so much value of free time, of letting kids maybe foster more introverted traits. Not to say that socializing kids is very important, says the former <laughs> homeschooler. <laughs> But um, overscheduling a kid and being and overemphasizing um, their social activities might not be so positive either. And the thing that parents need to remember is that shy kids tend to grow out of their shyness. Now, while it might take some kids longer than others, uh, there was a study from a Harvard psychologist that followed 250 children from infancy and showed that two-thirds of the kids who were shy as three-year-olds had come out of their shells by age 11, even if they weren't necessarily social butterflies, they still have their social moments, but that extreme shyness does gradually wear away a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, it, it is good to point out, I think, the effect that a kid's personality can have on their education, though, because as Linda Krieger Silverman points out, she's the director of the Gifted Development Center in Denver. Introverted children are less likely to be admitted to a prestigious private school because they tend to clam up in an interview. They're not gregarious. They're not showing off, you know, their little child block building skills. And I mean, I remember it because I went to, I grew up going to a private school and I remember my interview and it was terrifying. I remember I couldn't add 22 and 7. I was like, how can anyone do this? This is impossible. But I also remember being kind of giggly, so I don't know. How old were you? Six or seven. Whew. A lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. Interview a child. Well, Susan Kane, um, the author of Quiet, would also point out that the school setting and the big classroom environment is really forcing a lot of kids to be extroverted instead of paying more attention to more introverted one-on-one um, learning. Um, she says that uh, the emphasis on group activities discounts a lot of kids' natural preferences to work alone. I mean, I think that probably... Homeschooling, to be honest, fostered a lot of my introversion. I did work by myself a lot of the times. It was self-directed study, which you could say might have been um, a negative thing in terms of socializing. There was an adjustment once I finally got into a classroom setting. It was a, a learning curve for me. But when it came time for, say, college and I had to study a lot on my own, oh, man, I could sit down and do it easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And all of this stuff from school carries right on into work because we have this culture of brainstorming and group meetings and open plan cubicles where we're all sort of smooshed together, no doors, no chance for privacy or solo work. And that's really not the best environment for almost half of the population. Yeah, Jenna Goudreau over at Forbes points out that the amount of personal space allotted to employees in the workplace has shrunk 60% since the 1970s. And we usually have about, oh, 200 square feet of personal space. And that idea of the value of brainstorming uh, really was pioneered in the 1950s by an executive named Alex Osborne. And it's only been until recently that organizational psychologists are starting to call into question whether or not getting into a room with a bunch of people and some magic markers is all that effective. Yeah, I hate it. Personally, I'm just going to throw that out. The, extro- <laughs> the extrovert does not like brainstorming. I like 
I don't mind big meetings. Like if, if there's a staff meeting or whatever, I don't mind big meetings with a lot of people where I can throw my ideas out. I'm, I'm totally fine doing that. But <laughs> there's something about a meeting where you're forced to go in and like trade ideas and offer something up because that I, I feel sometimes like I'm kind of more half and half introvert, mm-hmm. extrovert. And part of my introverted tendency, um, and this, this I read about, uh, from Kane is that sometimes I get my best ideas after I leave the meeting. Because I'm so focused on like, okay, think of something. What are they saying? Well, they stole my idea. Well, what can I offer up? And so then there's a little bit of anxiety. And by the time I get back to my desk, it's like, oh, well, I guess I have to email that idea. Well, that's why psychologists would point out that having free time and understanding how to be by yourself is so important because it's a lot of times in those uh, open spaces that you allow yourself to flow. And I'm saying flow in quotes because that is the, you know, this... Um, psychological theory of how create you can foster creativity, not through trying to force something out in a room with a magic marker, having to write down as many ideas as possible, but in more relaxed and open spaces. Right. And Jenna Goudreau, who you, who you mentioned in her interview with Kane, she points out that charismatic leaders, these extroverts that we come to rely on, may earn bigger paychecks, but they don't necessarily have better corporate performance. Because a lot of times an extroverted boss will, whether they mean to or not, end up, as she says, put her stamp on things, Mm -hmm. his or her stamp on things. Whereas an introverted leader might just say, hey, run with your ideas, develop them, and then, you know, and then we'll talk about it. She also points out that brainstorming can result in lower quality ideas because some of the more vocally assertive extroverts are the only ones getting their voices heard. Well, and that's the tricky thing about extroversion and introversion in the office place is that for um, introverts like me, we have a statistically lower chance of being groomed for leadership because the modern workplace does value extroversion so much. And um, Adam Grant over at University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School um, conducted studies finding that introverted leaders actually have better um, leadership capabilities when working with proactive employees. Because kind of like you were talking about um, with Jenna Goudreau's reporting over at Forbes, introverted leaders tend to... Um, I guess cultivate employee ideas more so than extroverted leaders might turn a blind ear, a blind eye to them because uh, they're they want to uh, show off their own capabilities a little bit more. Yeah, well, there is a lot of advice about how to work together um, because if if you're a, a loud, talkative, confident extrovert, but your quiet, confident introvert coworker isn't responding to you in the in the way that you want, or vice versa. Um, it, it can cause some conflict. And Business Week says that if you're an introvert managing extroverts, you need to recognize that those people thrive on working with others and they are able to make sense of the world by talking about it first and thinking about it as they go, which is so true for me. I, I'm a bit of a talker, so maybe I'm in the, in the right field. But if I'm having a problem, like I absolutely need to talk it through. And, you know, writing it down does help and working it through that way, but. If I'm having a problem, personal or work-related, I run my mouth. But they also say that, you know, they warn introverted managers that your extrovert employees tend not to delve very deep when discussing issues, but they are comfortable at multitasking and moving at a quick pace. So maybe they can get things done at the same time. So it sounds like it's pretty basic 
advice to recognize that if you're an extrovert, that introverts exist and have different skill sets than you do, and vice versa for introverts recognizing and managing extroverts and not allowing themselves to be just drowned out by extroverts. Excessive talking. <laughs> looking at you, Caroline. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's not just excessive talking. I say that. I say that in jest. Um, <laughs> but let's move out of the workplace into the history books to find out where this idea of introversion and extroversion came into being and why it even exists, what, what the science behind these two um, personality traits is. Yeah, it all comes from Carl Jung, basically. He uh, he coined the term introvert in the 1920s to describe a person who becomes emotionally and physically worn out from being around people for a long time. And research indicates that this is actually tied in with how their nervous systems are wired. And Kristen kind of touched on that when she mentioned her weird lemon drop thing on the tongue. Yes. As a quick refresher, Susan Cain told Scientific American that introverts will salivate more than extroverts if you put a drop of lemon juice on their tongues. And um, while it is not exactly the same neuropathways, uh, neuroscience researcher and psychoanalyst Marty Olson Laney found that the dopamine produced during a party will give extroverted kids a boost. In other words, they can kind of stand more of it, while it can overload an introverted child's circus and, circuit and make them want to have a timeout, leave, go read their books like Ariana Huffington. Um, so, so it seems like there's, it's, it goes back to that idea of stimulation. What is introverted people tend to have the lower threshold of stimulation, whether it's for lemon juice or dopamine production, perhaps, than extroverted kids. Right. And I guess it's, it's, I can understand it. Uh, I can understand the introverted person's, um, need to sort of get away from that, but it takes a whole lot more for me to feel like that. Like I need to be out doing something all weekend long before I feel like, oh my God, I need to go sit in my room and close the door. Whereas it sounds like an introverted person might go to a loud party and spend a couple hours there and be like, whew, I don't know about that. I actually have a friend, uh, who's a high school teacher. And at the end of the day, he needs to just go home and sit because he has been in front of a bunch of teenagers all day long talking nonstop. And that's not his natural sort of presentation of himself to the world. Well, perhaps that relates to the fact that going going on this um, uh, topic of brain science, introverts tend to show more activity in regions that regulate rest and digestion, whereas outgoing children will show more brain activity in the fight or flight region. Hmm. So again, it seems to be this, uh, it does go back to that issue of stimulation and what areas of the body are um, more active than others. And I think we should probably talk about, too, nature versus nurture. Absolutely. Because you mentioned your homeschooling experience and how that might have fostered more of an introverted outlook. But there's this 2011 study from University of California at Santa Barbara, which tied extroversion to looking strong and attractive. 
Which is not to say that all good-looking people are naturally extroverted, but they have this theory about how good-looking, strong babies and children are rewarded with a lot of good intention, a lot of coochie-coo, belly-scratching, um, which causes them to sort of mirror that and, and respond in a, in a positive way also. Right. The psychologist based this theory on um, a term from personality psychology called facultative calibration, which is basically a process by which genetic traits, and in this case, strength and attractiveness, influence your personality. Because personality psychologists will um, usually say that a lot of our personality traits are heritable. We do get certain traits from our parents and our grandparents, but it's difficult to pinpoint which genes control for which personality trait. Um, so in this study uh, from University of California at Santa Barbara, they calculated that 20 to 40% of extroversion variants could be explained by the variables of physical strength and physical attractiveness because of that positive feedback loop from essentially people saying, well, my goodness, you are a handsome, strong-looking child. <laughs> High five. Um, one of the researchers uh, did point out to uh, Dimbling, who we talked about earlier, that um, it is possible for it to go the other way, too, that someone who is naturally wired to be extroverted, if they are rewarded and encouraged to be to exhibit more introverted behavior, they might veer more toward that way. Even though something in their brain is like, go to a party, go to a party, they might sit home and read a book because that's what their parents do. That's what they're expected to do. But that's a relief, though, especially as someone who does apparently sit so far on the introversion spectrum. It is a relief to know that there is such an interplay of nature versus nurture. Yeah. That our our personality is not completely fixed in that way. Sure, exactly. Um, Dimbling did take issue with, with some of the methods in this University of California study because they keep referring to it as an extroversion continuum. And she just sort of took issue with the idea that introversion is the negative end of the extroversion spectrum. But that would kind of exist, too, if you think about the big five personality traits that come up in psychology a lot, Mm -hmm. which are extroversion, openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And neuroticism aside, it seems like those those other four are all, you know, positively associated in our brain. It's they're, they're the socially desirable traits. Right. But that might have to do with that cultural shift from a culture of character to a culture of personality. So speaking of traits that run in families, nature versus nurture, the British Journal of Psychiatry in 2002 published a study that found no difference, really, between the extroversion scores for men and women. But it was looking at certain traits in siblings and found that scores on extroversion and neuroticism, speaking of neuroticism, are substantially genetically influenced. So there is some of that inheritability. And also adding some uh, credence to the idea of extroversion as a socially desirable trait, uh, the same study found that high extroversion scores were significantly correlated to fewer serious episodes of depression as opposed to neuroticism, which not so surprisingly was found to be significantly correlated with a number of severe threatening events. Um, but that might have to do, too, with uh, extroversion, building social networks, adding that sort of protective 
layer, the uh, tending and befriending mm-hmm. theory. But um, even though tending and befriending is more associated with women, we should point out that studies on gender differences and extroversion and introversion find no major significant differences. Um, Susan Cain says that the gender split is pretty much 50-50. Um, and people also tend to become a little more introverted as they age, as they mm-hmm. settle down. Um, and some studies will find that women tend to be a little more extroverted than men. Some find that men tend to be a little more extroverted than women. There is right. no clear-cut difference. Right, which goes to show just how even it is, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, and as far as married couples go, a uh, 2011 Fordham University study looked at 89 married couples and found that females are more expressive of their positive emotions and more extroverted than males. So here's one that says we are more extroverted. Um, but the relationship between emotional expressivity and marital satisfaction was influenced by the type of emotion being expressed. So essentially, if you're expressing angry emotion, <laughs> you probably aren't as happy with your marriage if you're saying, this is the best thing ever. Exactly. But they also found that spouses who were matched on the extroversion scale really didn't experience greater satisfaction than those who were mismatched on extroversion. So it's kind of just how you relate to each other. Mm-hmm. So while extroversion might not have much of an effect on your marriage, if you are a heterosexual woman, it sure could influence how you look at men. A 2009 study in the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences found that extroversion is positively associated with certain things that women look for in a man, such as attractiveness. And they looked at uh, the relationship between each of the big big five personality factors that Kristen mentioned and found that women's preference for facial masculinity was tied only to extroversion, not to the other traits. And so... They, they talk about how masculine facial characteristics are positively correlated with, you know, indices of men's health. So there's all this weird stuff about extroversion and women's preferences. So that would seem like it would uh, confirm a little bit the findings from the 2011 University of California at Santa Barbara study about that link between extroversion and appearance of strength. Oh, yeah. And handsomeness. <laughs> what a handsome child. <laughs> High scores on the handsome scale. But we must underscore that the, you know, again, it's it's 20 to 40 percent of that, uh, of the link between the, the physical characteristics and the personality characteristics. So it's not to say, you know, only attractive people can possibly be extroverted. That's not... Or... Only extroverted women will appreciate a masculine-looking man. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just... Yeah, exactly. Um, but there are a couple things to close this out on a happy note. Yes. There are a couple of things that you introverts should remember. That you are worth something, people. I am. You are. You are, Kristen. And you should stop trying to go against your nature. Yeah. Psychology Today, which has a huge amount of resources for introverts... Says, don't isolate yourself too much. Uh, Dimbling writes that when she feels herself getting weird, she seeks out some FaceTime with a friend. Basically, when she's like, I don't even know if I can interact with other people anymore, then she knows it's time to get out of the house. That happens to me sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If I'm working from home a lot, there are those moments. In addition, you know, there are a lot of things out there that say that introverts might hate the phone, but you should probably call people back at some point or email them. 
at some point. And don't forget that plunging right into deep conversations with people at a party can be slightly off-putting. Maybe don't start talking about wars and politics right off the bat. Um, and Dimbling points out that friendships do build incrementally, and they start with small talk. Small talk greases the wheels of society, so we can't dismiss extroverts and their chit-chat so easily. And then um, this is the one that really rings true for me, is not confusing fear and introversion, because is introversion undervalued in our society? Yes, I think that we could absolutely conclude that it is because there is a lot of value to having a little more time by yourself, seeking the lower stimulation, having the the deeper one-on-one conversations rather than meeting a bunch of new acquaintances, not to say that I don't like meeting new people, which I do, um, but it's it's so culturally associated with shyness as a negative trait that I think... Um, it's a, a great thing that Susan Cain um, and also Sandra Dembling, who's got the book coming out, too, on introversion, are bringing more awareness to the other side of that personality coin. Right. Exactly. Be who you are. Be who you are. Let your kids be who they are. And we should uh, we should post a link to that introversion, extroversion quiz so that listeners can also see how introverted or extroverted they are. Mm-hmm. Are you a Carolina or a Kristen? <laughs> Find out. So that's all we've got to tell you. You tell us about your introversion, extroversion stories. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send them. You can also post them on Facebook. And if they're real short, you can tweet them to us at momstuffpodcast. And we've got an email here in response to our episode interviewing Melissa Petro, a.k.a. the hooker teacher. Indeed. This is from Lori. She she says that while I have no experience with sex work, I did go to college with a couple of single mothers who were paying their way through school and supporting their families by working as strippers. These were not women who were being forced to do this or, or who were dumb women. These were older women who had married, had a family, and become single mothers and then decided to go back to school to further their education. These were smart, strong women. While most people would look down upon them for their choice of jobs, I always admire these women for doing what they had to do in order to make a better future for themselves and their children. I know the subject of legalizing sex work is a touchy subject with many points to be considered, but my thought is that it may be a way to help eliminate a lot of crimes. When you are being forced to do something illegal, you are less likely to go to the police and report a crime against yourself or the fact that you are being forced to do the illegal activity. How many women would call the police and report that they are shoplifting because their boyfriend, husband, etc. is making them do it? The same is true with prostitution. If it were legal, then the people employed in this industry would be more likely to report crimes against them without needing to fear that they themselves would be arrested. So thank you, Lori. And to everyone else who has written in, momstuff at discovery.com is the email address. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And you can also... Head over to our website during the week to see what we're writing about. It's HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?